God and receive from Him. Father, I pray as our hearts are open and our hands are raised. Father, thank You for pouring in Your grace, for pouring in Your strength for where we feel weak, for pouring in Your uh, energy where we feel fatigued, for pouring in Your hope where we may feel despair, for pouring in Your strength where we feel weak. Father, we receive from You this morning. Father, I pray let the richness of Your anointing be poured upon each one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's lift our voices and declare our thanks and our praise to Him. Lord, we praise You. We thank You, God, for the awesome God You are. You are our rock. You are our anchor. And we trust in You, Lord. You are our soul, Lord. You are our life. You are our light. And we praise You, Lord. We worship You. We thank You. We honour You. Praise both now and forevermore in Jesus' name. Be exalted, O Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we say thank you for being dad. You're a great dad, a good dad. Thank you, we can come and cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. So, Father, I pray upon each one of us too, Lord, the mantle of what it is to be a son and a daughter of the living God. Lord, we're not orphans, we're not lost, we're not wayward, but we're part of the family of God. Father, I pray that, Lord, we would be anchored in that reality that we are your children, the sons and the daughters of the living God. It's really important for some of you this morning to know that you're a son, a daughter of the living God. He hasn't left you abandoned. You're not an orphan. You are His. And He declares that over you this morning. Isn't that good? It really is. Well, why don't you take a seat? Thank you so much, Ben. You're so cool. They are. And of course, so are you. You're very cool too. And it's, it's my pleasure to invite the cool Chris to come to the stage. And, and it's a delight to have Chris and Moira and their family with us. Chris is the CEO at ATC. And so just let's put our hands together and welcome him this morning. Thank you, Chris. God bless. How did Jesus survive without a microphone? <laughs> Preaching to the 5,000 would have been hard, wouldn't it? Sorry, I often don't have PowerPoints, but I sort of end up changing what I'm going to say about an hour before I'm going to get up here, so it gets hard. <clears throat> but I just want to share something, and very much along what, um, what Ray was just mentioning there about the Father. And I'm going to cover a bit of theological ground this morning, but good theology always leads you closer to God and lets you know who He is. Um, bad theology just fills your head. So um, let's see how we go. We'll just open in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, both in me and in everyone hearing, Lord, because Holy Spirit, I know that you are the teacher. And I just pray that there is a, 
uh, transfer of what you want to say, Father, and what you want to teach this morning, and guide my lips, and, and let this be to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about the kingdom of God, because I believe that understanding the kingdom of God and what's going on is essential for us to work in the love and the power and the glory of the Lord in these last days. And we need to know what our part is and what part we're playing in his kingdom really coming to pass on this earth. Amen. So I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6 for those going to follow along. And in Matthew chapter 6, there's a, a passage, about five verses, that I think is probably the best known scriptures in the Western world. And if I asked you to recite it by heart, probably most of you would get it pretty right. And you might say, no, that's not true. But what I'm talking about is the Lord's Prayer, all right? which most of us of a certain age and up probably know fairly well in one translation or another. Probably if you're old enough, it'll be a few thys and these and so forth in there as well. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 says, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A great prayer, but not necessarily one just for us to learn by heart and recite. But actually, there are headings in here that we can say, okay, this is the key things that God wants to come past on the earth. That's why Jesus gave us this model prayer to go by, isn't it? We can expand into things. When it says, give us this, our daily bread, we can put in the things that we particularly need today. We can use that as a heading to sort of go into, you know. So if, this, if we take this as the key things that God the Father wants to see happen on the earth, and if we also assume that it's an order of priority, starts with the Father, goes through to the kingdom of God, gets down eventually to our personal needs, which is really how we should pray anyway, shouldn't we? Not just running and asking for our own stuff first, but understanding that there is a bigger need out here, other people, uh, what God wants to achieve in the world. All right, so assuming that it's an order of preference or order of priority, let's start at the start and go through the first couple of lines today. Our Father in heaven, that's what it starts with. Our Father in heaven. The most important thing that the Father God wants us to understand is that the relationship with us is a father-family relationship. Out of all the things that you could pray, he wants you to know that first. Isn't that amazing? And Ray just brought that up this morning. You know, we cry out, like in Romans 8, it talks about Abba Father, which means Daddy. That The God that made the entire universe would want us to call him Dad is just phenomenal, just amazing. His love, because God is love, according to 1 John 5, isn't it? So the relationship, the closeness, the father heart, the children of God is first and foremost in his mind when we pray, when we meet with him. Secondly, it says, holy be your name. So although he is our loving father and we have this amazing relationship with him, he also expects respect and worship and a wholeness of us to him. This is not just, I'm your father and go and do what you like for the rest of your life and it'll, it'll be right. No, he says, come and serve me and I will give all to you. Come and respect me and I will respect you. Come and worship me and I will pour out all sorts of blessings upon you. 
This is a holy, respectful relationship and honouring our Father God because of what he has done for us. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There's a challenge. Sounds like we should start a fast or something. In the Old Testament, they dedicated the temple of the, uh, the Old Testament temple. And they started off with cleansing and then they made sacrifices of all sorts of animals. And then they worshipped. And as they worshipped, the power fell and the Holy Spirit filled the temple. And no one could enter it. But, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are where God is living, the living God living in our hearts. And we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice that he made. And we offer up spiritual sacrifices pleasing to him. And as we worship in faith, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we can be rivers of living water flowing out to those around us, can't we? Isn't that amazing? But the second, second line, if you like, in that uh, the Lord's Prayer, what you commonly call the Lord's Prayer, is the one I really want to focus in on. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You know, you talk about your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know how many times I've recited the Lord's Prayer or read that verse and so forth. But then when you suddenly think about it, you think, okay, God, what you're saying is this is really important for us to pray this, but you're saying your kingdom is not here. You're saying that your will is not being done here. His will is not being done. That's why we have to pray. So one of the most essential things we have to pray for is his kingdom to come and his will be, to be done on earth because it's not being done here. And I want to say this morning that God is not the ruler of this world. This is not part of his kingdom. And that might cross over some of your thoughts. But let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who's the God of this age? The devil? Satan? John chapter 14 and verse 30, the gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 30, this is Jesus talking. He says to his disciples, I will no longer talk with you much, much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Jesus calls the devil the ruler of this world. Right? Interesting, isn't it? Often we forget the fact that God is on the outside looking in trying to redeem his creation. God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. He, in a sense, created uh, mankind in a sense like a little God with a very small g. If you know what I mean, we were created in his image, in his likeness. So he said, have dominion over the earth and, and subdue it and rule it and rule the living animals and everything else. And you guys sort of look after this, you know, you guys take it over. And we also know that faith is hearing and believing the word of God, don't we? Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve started to listening to a different voice. Satan's voice. And they started to believe his voice. And then they acted upon his voice, the same as faith works towards God. And they unknowingly shifted their faith from the Father to the devil. They unknowingly shifted from one God and made another God. 
and Satan became their God from that moment forward. And Satan legally gained right over this dominion of the earth through man. Consequently, God was shut out, and so he had to make a different redemption plan or a redemption plan to bring him back. The seed of the woman will bruise his, her heel, his heel, but it will crush your head, and eventually did in Christ, didn't it? This is a legal issue. You see, God is almighty. He's all omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's made the entire universe, but he's legally bound by the thief, the devil, coming in and legally gaining rights over this world. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 5 to 7. Then the devil taking him, that is Jesus, up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Jesus never argued with that statement, never disagreed with it. He'd already called him the ruler of this world. All the authority, all the kingdoms of the world were under the devil, and they still are, in a sense. And I give them to whoever I want, because this has been delivered to me by Adam and Eve, basically. See, in this world, we have to contend against a fallen world. You know, people say, you know, if there's really a God in this world, then why is it all so bad and so corrupted? Well, there's a God in this world, but we don't serve him. He's not the one that we worship, and that's why it's a mess. I'll give you an example. Jesus and his disciples are going across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And Jesus is asleep in the stern on a pillow. And the storm starts to rage and the waves get big and the wind blows and the water's starting to come into the boat. And the disciples are getting worried. You know, some of these guys are fishermen, so if, it's, if they're getting worried, it must have been bad. And so they come and wake up Jesus and said, Master, Master, the, the storm, you know, we might sink and drown. So Jesus gets up and he gets on his knees and says, Father, I know that everything's happening according to your will and you're in charge of everything. And, you know, I know you made the storm and the wind. And, and if you could just quieten it down a little bit, that'd be really cool because really the boys are getting worried and, and if you could help us out here, that'd be nice. Didn't say any of that, did he? He got out there and rebuked the wind and the waves and commanded them to be still in faith because they were contrary to the will of God. Satan was trying to kill off Jesus and all the disciples right then in the sea. That would have been really good for him. Nature doesn't necessarily follow God's will. Sometimes you go against it. This world's circumstances don't follow God's will. His will is not being done here yet in the general most part. So where's God's kingdom? In John chapter 18 and verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5, when he's talking to Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we see that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but it's a spiritual world that we enter in by faith into him and he lives in us. Luke 17, 21 says, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Right? So there is a kingdom of this world, which the, the devil rules over, but there are little pockets of the kingdom of God in each of us who believe in the Father and the sacrifice that Jesus made. 
And God, in a sense, is trying to take back his creation and his mankind through increasing that kingdom in everyone's hearts. And he will eventually win, because I've read the end of the book, which is a good ending. So what happens when we get born again? Colossians 1.13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son of his love. We've been taken out of the kingdom of the devil and into the kingdom of his son, Jesus. And now we live still in this world, but spiritually we have uh, a position of authority and blessing in God to overcome the forces of this world, to live in love and peace and power and healing and to come against the things that the devil has put into this place. We are seated in heavenly places, it says in Ephesians 2, by faith, aren't we? Some people might say, yeah, that's great, Chris, but I'm not really seeing all this blessing. How come it's not happening in my life? Well, I would answer that question, I'd ask that with a question saying, how did we get saved? God said he wishes none to fall away, but all to come to repentance. God wants everyone in the world to be saved. So is everyone saved? So what's the difference between someone who's saved and not saved? They received the promise of God by faith, didn't they? So it requires faith to pull a bit of the heavens into this world. Did everyone who got saved, does everyone who's got saved uh, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? No. So only those who, what, believe in the promise by faith receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Every part of the blessings and the promises of God is received by faith. Nothing comes automatically. You know, we all know people who are lovely Christians, lovely people of God, and bad things happen to them. It's, it's not their sin or anything else that happens to them. There is a God of this world who was arrayed against us. And without faith, things happen. It's not our goodness that causes goodness to happen to us. You know what I mean? It's an interesting thought. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to the Father's will, this is, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. Isn't that amazing? If we ask according to his will, we know he hears us, we know we have the answer to our prayer. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The only condition is according to his will. So what's his will? What's the will of the Father? Well, Jesus is the Word of God, isn't it? And the Word of God is the will of God. The, the Word that we can read is the will of God. But also Jesus came to do the will of the Father and to show us what the will of the Father is. Jesus, uh, sorry, John 6.38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do the will of my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And in John 14.9 it says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Because the disciples said, show us the Father, that's enough. And he said, haven't you been with me? You see me, you see what I do, you see my compassion, my healing, my power, my you know, casting out demons, everything else, and helping the people. You've seen the Father, we're, we're one. My heart is his heart, and his heart is my heart. What Jesus did showed God's will. Well, every single person who's recorded as coming to him in the New Testament for healing got healed. That's the will of the Father. Every person who came that was demon-possessed got 
the demons cast out. The provision, no matter how big, 4,000, 5,000 crowds were fed because that's the will of the Father to provide. That's the will that God came in Jesus to show us that's his will being done on earth because it's not being done here at the moment because we see all sorts of problems still. But by faith we can take hold of that. There's only one exception that I can find where you might be able to argue that possibly everyone who came to him for healing didn't quite get healed. And that's when he went to his hometown. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, Now he could do no mighty work there. Here's the Son of God, could not do any mighty miracles, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Because in everything that God does, he requires our faith for that to come to pass. It was faith that pulled the Adam and Eve across to the devil's side. It's faith that brings us back into the kingdom of God and his supply. That's how it works. By faith, we bring the kingdom here, his realm. In fact, the kingdom, if you look up the word in the Greek, literally means the realm. We want the realm of God here. The realm of God. It's a great thought. Faith is required and nothing comes automatic. So just to summarize, there's two kingdoms. There's the devil's kingdom who rules over all of the earth. But there's God's kingdom that rules in the hearts of all those who have received him as their Lord and Savior. So God needs our faith to legally operate here. And this is an interesting thought. He's on the outside looking in. It's not his kingdom. He does no right here. But the devil came in and talked to Adam and Eve. So he's got the right to come in and talk to us. But it's our faith that then allows him to work in the midst of someone else's kingdom. This is our faith that brings in his ability to work in us. So when we pray, what we're doing is, and believing in him, we're allowing God to move in our midst. I don't know whether you've taken it that far. But it's not a matter of having to convince our loving God. God is love. He gave his only son for us to die for us and sacrificed all of that. And how will we not, along with him, give us, freely give us all things, as the word says? And then do we think we have to beg him to help us? It's not about that. It's about giving him the right to work on our behalf. He said, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is Second Peter chapter 1. Through the great and precious promises. That's how he's given it to us. Come and receive freely. He wants us to. It's not that we have to beg him and convince him. He wants, he knows, he already understands. He's already sent Jesus and paid the price. All you have to do is believe and receive. That's what he wants. That's his love. Here's an example. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Why? I mean that in the sense of God's plan for redemption is God's plan for redemption. He made this whole thing up. He's operating the whole thing. He's bringing it all to pass. It's his... Uh, harvest field that he sees, all the people who are ready to receive the gospel. Uh, he understands who can go out there. He knows all this stuff. Why do we have to ask him to send out laborers into the very thing that he created and designed? You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. Except for the fact that we are the ones that have to put faith into operation to get him able to do what he has already planned. 
Now, I feel sorry for the Father because he has bestowed on us the responsibility to bring to pass his plan. That's how much he trusts us. Why do we have to pray for his kingdom to come? Because if we don't, it won't. Why do you have to pray for his will to be done? Because if we don't, it won't. If we don't pray, it won't happen. And that's the interesting thought, and that's the theological aspect that I wanted to bring to you this morning. See, it's not a matter of God not listening to you. It's a matter that God loves you, and he wants you to receive his promises. He wants you to receive his love. There is no doubt in his love. God is love. There's no doubt in his blessings and his goodness to us. We have got to understand how the kingdoms work and the part that we play. Therefore, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, the one verse before the Lord's Prayer, he says, Therefore, do not be like them. He's talking about vain repetitions and praying over and over and over, thinking that God's going to hear you. Don't be like them. For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So he knows all this stuff. He said, come and ask in faith and receive because I've already sorted it out for you. Come and take hold of the promises that I've put out there for you. Just like not all the world receives salvation until you take hold of that faith. Not all the Christians receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until they take hold of that promise by faith. Not everyone receives healing until you take hold of that promise by faith. Some things happen and you think, wow, I don't know whether they really prayed for that, but you'll find out your mother did or your brother did or someone else has been interceding for you. Someone prayed for that thing for God to come in and work on your behalf. Our request and our faith gives our Heavenly Father the right to work here legally to overcome the enemy and his kingdom and to bring that to pass. Let me give you another example. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, and he's in Corinth here, by the way. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or hurt you. Great. God is with us. No one will attack him and hurt him. But then he goes on to say, for or because I have many people in this city. This is the Father. This is, this is God Almighty who made the universe. He said, I actually need these people in the city to keep you safe. Why? Because he needed some of the kingdom of God in that place, the people putting up prayers to overcome the enemy's kingdom to keep Paul safe. The people, the part of the church was in that place, was essential for, God, for, for Paul to be safe and protected. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that come across what we've often thought in theological sort of circles? That we've got to convince God of something? When actually saying, he said, it's all in you. I've done all the work, but it's all in you. If you don't intercede... If you don't come to the prayer meeting, how's that? I'll put that plug in there. Um, you know, it doesn't happen. We have to make a difference. God's will was not sufficient to keep Paul safe. He needed the people in their praying. In Hebrews 10, verse 12 to 14, but this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered as one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting of 2,000 years, Jesus has been waiting. He came, he died for our sins, he brought on all the blessings, he went up to heaven, he's seated at the right hand of God, he's been waiting. He's been waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. And guess who has to do that? For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being set apart. He goes straight in to talk about us. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If we are his body, then his feet is us. It has to be under the church, right? His footstool, waiting until his enemies are under his footstool, it's waiting until it's all under the church, under the body of Christ. Ephesians 3, 10 to 11 says, To the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God, or the plan that God has put into place, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ our Lord. So his eternal plan, his gospel, his, his whole redemption plan is going to be made known to all the evil powers and principalities by the church through what he accomplished in Christ. So he already finished it at the cross, but we are the ones enacting it out and showing those principalities and powers really what he accomplished when Jesus died and was raised from the dead. Really what he's empowered us. He said, greater works than ye shall ye do. Imagine if all of us were working in the amount of power and faith that Jesus had here, and he all of a sudden had hundreds of millions of people he had against them. Not a chance, isn't it, to overcome that. See, judgment's been passed at Calvary. The legal issue has been settled, and it's up to us to enact. In a courtroom, the judge makes the call, but he doesn't enact anything. The people in the room enact it. There are people who take away the plaintiff if they're found guilty to jail. The judge doesn't do any of that. It's been judged. The sentence has been put in. It's us for us to claim it and to put it into place. In Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority this is after being raised from the dead all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth great go therefore <laughs> see what I mean he's been given all authority but who has to do the going the body does the walking the helping the hands the body does the enacting go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and know I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You might think that this sort of concept and theology is a little bit new and radical and weird, but the, the gospel of the kingdom was that gospel in the day. Acts 8 and verse 12, Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, but when they believed Philip, and as he preached, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God... And the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. How about this one? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, of the realm of God, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. That's, that's us. We've got to preach this gospel of the kingdom. And the power comes through the kingdom, doesn't it, as well? Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. Gospel simply means good news. The good news of the kingdom. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Or what about Matthew 10, 7 and 8? And as you go preach, saying, this is talking about the disciples going out and preaching now, go out and preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom was the message. The kingdom is the message we preach to the ends of the world to the last day. 
the kingdom message, but we've often forgot about the kingdom message or not understood the kingdoms that are competing here to redeem his creation, to redeem his people, to bring them back in. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. See, to me, John 10.10 is the dividing scripture of the New Testament, of our covenant. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief came and stole away the creation and his, and his wonderful mankind. And he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And any, anything that comes and still kills, steals, and destroys is of the thief, of the devil, on that side. Jesus said, I have come to give them life and give them to, give them to an abundance. Everything that comes to give life and abundance comes from God through Jesus. That's the division to me. God never gives out sickness. God never does anything else like that. Jesus never had anyone ever come to him with sickness for healing and he said, sorry, God has given this to you to teach you something. He healed them. We are in a new kingdom. Let us live in the new realm where all things are possible to them who believe. No limit. Isn't that amazing? I wonder if the musicians want to come back up just so, just so I finish off. The same chapter as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, just a little bit later on, it says, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God, amen. The kingdom of God. You see, we've missed this piece of the kingdom so much, I think. Seek first the kingdom or the realm of God. Seek first his realm. When you're living in his realm, all these other things will be added to you, it says. Your food, your clothing, everything else will be there. All my supply is there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Anointing, gifts, healing, provision, protection, peace, joy, whatever else there is, is in there because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through his precious promises. Right? So his kingdom come, his will be done. Amen? The question is, and always challenges about me, is he ruling and reigning in me that then I can then spread that goodness, that love, and that power out for those around me? See, the purpose of prayer is to bring God's will to pass. And I think that changes our prayer life if we understand that. Well, we understand that we have to call on him not to convince him, but to believe in him and ask him to do something that then he can empower us or empower the situation to bring his will to pass. You know, you remember back in Daniel chapter 10, and this is applicable to the fast, of course, because it's a Daniel's fast I think you're talking about going on to. Daniel prayed for the answer to his situation, and it took 21 days, which is why you're talking about a 21-day fast, for that answer to come. But when the archangel Michael came down with this messenger, another angel, he said, oh, we, we came immediately when you prayed, but it took us 21 days to fight through the prince of Persia, one of Satan's princes, to get here to give you the answer. That shows us again that the kingdoms of this world is ruled by the devil, and God is on the outside having to come in by our prayers and faith. We see it throughout the Bible. But how often we blame God for things that happen wrong. No, it's not God's fault. He's trying to restore his kingdom. He's trying for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. On earth as it is in heaven. I tell you, in heaven there's no lack. In heaven there's no sickness. In heaven there's no uh, poverty or anything else. That's what he wants here. To make his enemies his footstool. To enact what Christ has achieved. To show the principalities and powers in the heavens what really is being accomplished in Christ. 
Look forward to that day as I know all you two too. Amen? So that's all I wanted to share with you this morning. But before I finish off, I just want to, I don't know if anyone here is not in the kingdom, and I just want to give you that opportunity. Because if you're not in the kingdom, it's a glorious place to be. Out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love. Into his plan for your future. Eternal life granted. And I just wonder if we can just all close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment, just for a little bit of privacy. Because this is not about who's next to us or who's around us or anyone else. It's about us, isn't it? And I just want to give the opportunity. In a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want to receive or come into this kingdom just to raise your hand. But... This is a a beautiful place, a place of freedom where we have a choice to serve God, not we are enslaved to the other side, to the things that we don't like. This is where our sins are washed away, where they're taken as far away as the east is from the west, the Bible says. So if you want to receive his kingdom this morning, I just ask you to raise your hand. I'll just acknowledge you. I won't drag you out anywhere. I won't embarrass anyone. But if you want to receive him, just raise your hand up and I'll just acknowledge you and we'll just all pray. So if there's anyone here that's not in the kingdom this morning, perhaps everyone is, just raise your hand and I'll just acknowledge it. Praise God, we must all be in the kingdom, which is brilliant. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for encouraging your people with your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can understand that we can empower your power here. We can bring your promises here, that we can grab grab hold of the kingdom of heaven and bring it into this earth to supply the needs of the people, to supply our needs, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to anything else that is required here, Father. Faith in your promises. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Let's give Chris a hand. Great word. It feels encouraged. Yeah, it's so good. Kingdom of God is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really, really is. Purposed. That's what we're about for 2017, being purposed in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I'd like to give you the opportunity if You'd like to respond in prayer and say, Lord, I want to be a partner on a new level in the kingdom of God. I want to partner in a fresh way with what you want to do in 2017. Who wants to partner with God for a greater freshness of a spirit, for a greater freshness of what He wants to do? I believe God wants to take us to a church as a new level in the expression of the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to come forward. And we're going to have a time of prayer and ministry. And you're not responding to me. You're not responding to Chris. You're responding to Jesus. And here's something I found out about Father God. It took me a long time to learn this. But He believes in you and He believes in me. He really does. He asks us to place our faith in Him. But it's just not a one-way transaction. He loves you. He has faith in you. That as you press into Him, Jesus can press out through you to make a difference in the world around us. Isn't that cool? So I'm going to ask us to stand as the band would lead us and um, come forward and respond and say, Yes, Lord, I I want to step it up for you and your kingdom. I want to be active and I want to activate my faith. 2017 being purposed in that. If you're a 
guests with us this morning. It's so wonderful to have you with us. As you leave the auditorium through into the foyer, you'll see some white packs here. We encourage you to take part of that. Thank you for your generosity, church, and uh, be purposed in our giving. So there we go. Let's stand to our feet. Come forward for prayer, and if I can ask the prayer team to join with me, that would be great. Thank you.
begins but at 10am and then the Sunday following is three gatherings so God bless, have a wonderful day thank you so much church